This is Richard Cloutier Reports on 680 CJOB. I know what you're thinking. Did he fire six shots or only five? Well, to tell you the truth in all this excitement, I've kind of lost track myself. But Ian, this is a 44 Magnum, the most powerful handgun in the world, and would blow your head clean off. You've got to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? Dave Thorne is the deputy chief, one of the deputy chiefs of the Winnipeg Police Service, announcing his retirement uh, yesterday. Great to see you. Congratulations. Well, thank you, Richard. I'm uh, very pleased to be here today. Have you ever, and you you hear the Dirty Harry, and I always kind of, you know, joke about it because you're probably one of the nicest police officers I have ever met. And and I'll declare this, we've known each other for a few years now. Yes, we have, yeah. And uh, both Massey graduates, you graduated way earlier than, than I did back in <laughs> 1978. But uh, I'm thinking most police officers I know have the fortune of never on duty having to fire their weapon. And that to me is something to be celebrated, isn't it? I think so. Um, I, I've never had to. Uh, but I also think that, that that speaks to a couple of things, what you just said. One is uh, the training that, that we go through. Uh, we have a continuum, if you will, a use of force continuum. And it starts just with, with the presence of a police officer that sometimes uh, just uh, whether it's a, a uniform with a badge showing up or somebody identifying themselves as a police officer will make somebody think twice about uh, will I comply or are they in a mood that day and they want to take on the world, in, including the two or how many police officers? But it, it's also, uh, and there's more tools on our belt now too when I started. Uh, back in 1981, we had, there was a lot of space on our service hmm. belt. Uh, now, uh, it's, uh, we have uh, the uh, uh, taser. Uh, there's uh, all other types of intermediary weapons that we use before we uh, have to uh, resort to lethal uh, force. But there are situations, as you know, that we have to. What was on the belt in, in 81? Oh, boy. Be a baton? Uh, I had a leather, no, it was a leather oh. sap, actually. Oh, really? I still have it, yeah. Uh, that's one of the things that uh, that I may uh, I may say I lost uh, when I have to turn in my stuff because it is it is a piece of history. It's uh, like a little billy club, so to speak. Um, we actually had wooden wooden batons and little holders on the inside of the cruiser car doors that if you did need uh, – uh, and, and that just <laughs> goes to show you how, how we've evolved and, and, and how, how uh, uh, policing uh, has advanced. Six, six shots in the weapon. It was a uh, revolver with six in your belt. Now we have uh, uh, pistols with uh, 45 rounds, uh, 15 in a clip and uh, more on the belt. So – we have, you know, we've uh, made great advancements. Did you have mobile radios in 81? Uh, yeah, we did. We had the we had portables that we would wear in our belt. And then, of course, we were just, when I started, we had what they called uh, MDTs, mobile data terminals. And they were a push button that, uh, like, if you arrived on scene, it was status four, I believe. Now I'm going back into my memory. Sure, but, yeah. Uh, but, but each one, three was en route, four was when you arrived, and then there was clear and no report and... Field code one, field code two. Why did you become a police officer? There was a group of, I think, Massey grads that just decided to get together and, and join the police service <laughs> yeah. back then. Well, I don't know if we were that intelligent or organized enough to actually sit down and say, this is what we're going to do. There was no master plan. But you're right. There was, 
there was a couple of guys that come to mind, uh, Neil Barker, uh, Mitch McCormick, uh, John Popplestone. We were all kind of that era at Massey. Actually, what I, uh, what I wanted to do uh, throughout my um, uh, school years, I wanted to be a teacher. And uh, I was involved in sports, very heavily involved in sports. I was very fortunate to uh, play high school sports. Uh, and I was also involved uh, with Fort Erie Lions for about uh, 10 years from Bantam, Midget, and then up to Junior. And it was some of those people that, uh, you know, they always talk about where were the most important influences in your life. And I would say other than my family, uh, from my parents to my in-laws uh, later on, um, it was teachers and it was coaches. There's, I was extremely fortunate to have, there was two guys and I, I know I, the danger of, of listing names as you exclude, but there was two men in Fort Gary that shaped so many lives, uh, Blair Schapansky and Bob Rye. And uh, they, were, they, they were my football coaches and they did it for years. And I'll bet you if, if you went back and you looked at the list of people uh, that they would have coached and who they would have impacted in such a positive way uh, to shape who you are. Well, and you look at the neighborhoods of Winnipeg, and we're a city of neighborhoods, and um, be it football or hockey or whatever sport, those mentors in your life that taught people to be role models, mm -hmm. huge impact in our neighborhood then and dare I say now. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the... The, the, the choices that you make as a, as a young adult, someone coming out of high school, you know, you can go one path or you can go the other path. And sometimes it's those people in your life that make you on that straight and narrow. Uh, family has huge influence, but coaches, dare I say, at some points in your life have even more influence on you. I think, and you know, the one, one of the best um, places to learn, I think, is, is sports. And whether it's an individual sport or specifically a team sport, I, I mostly play team sports. So whether football was my favorite, I played basketball and, and hockey, just like most kids did growing up in our city. Uh, but it, it taught you many things that uh, stick with me even today uh, about teamwork. It teaches about uh, a group of people um, with common interests working towards a shared goal, uh, knowing your role, performing your role relying on each other. And the, the structure of a football team is exactly like the structure of the police service. And sure that's is. the way I figure stuff out. Dave Thorne is with us announcing his retirement after 35 years with the Winnipeg Police Service. What was it like on the job, though, those first few years? Because we look back and, and history dictates, you know, the problems with the police service back then. And it tends to, in our business, we tend to play up the, the negative as opposed to the positive. And like, dare I say... A normal day doesn't make the news. It's the abnormal days that make the news. But, you know, a lot has changed at the service in 35 years ago. When you look back then, what was it like then and, and compare it to now? Well, I, first of all, on a, on a personal note, I was, I was 20 years old when I started. So I didn't, I didn't know much about anything. And uh, some might argue I still don't, but I picked up a few things along the way. But I think that... I think that the, there was an era in policing called the professionalism era where uh, the police really put, uh, uh, distanced themselves from the community. So the whole um, that we knew everything, we didn't need your help, we'll solve your problems for you. You don't need to tell us what you need or what you want. We're, we're the cops. We know. We know what we want. So just stand back. 
you know, d- give us the facts, nothing but the facts, whatever the dragnet guy sure. used to say. That's, and then we'd come in and we fix. But we wouldn't fix in a, in, a, in a sustainable way, is that we'd put a Band-Aid on an open wound. We wouldn't go back. We wouldn't try to figure out uh, what caused the wound, how severe is the wound, and how do we treat the wound so that we heal and that we, we move on. We uh, were, uh, and, and I'll, I'll qualify by saying scrutiny and accountability is a wonderful thing. I think it's needed. It's, it's required at all levels of government. The police cannot and should not be excluded from that. But back in 1981, is the, 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 the police weren't challenged by things that we did, actions that we took, uh, decisions that we made, sometimes the executive decisions made about actions that our frontline people did. There was, there was very little accountability at the time. Well, and knowing you the way I know you, this would have been a difficult time for you, I think, simply because you're in a paramilitary organization. You're not there to question orders. But at some point, in your early part of your career, I, I bet you, you thought long and hard about whether or not this is something I still want to do. Um, yeah, you know what? I mean, it's, I was very fortunate uh, in my career that uh, the, the first 20 years of my, of my service, 15 were spent in uh, plainclothes roles. Uh, five, of course, were in uniform. Starting typically, the uniform is at the front end of the career when you first graduate from recruit class and you work in a cruiser car. I had some great partners, um, but I also. But you saw you saw stuff you didn't like. Uh, well, I think everybody does. I mean, it's there's some things that, um, you know, I, I look back. Police officers, police officers see some things that people don't ordinarily see, and. Uh, and some of it stays with you. You know, if you were to ask me what are the three things that have burned into my memory that stick with me that if I, you know, might uh, lay awake at night thinking about, there are those incidents. But, but also I think we recognize that now with, with our uh, a rather robust uh, employee assistance, right from our, you know, psychologist to wellness to our peer assistance and from Blue Cross, we recognize we recognize that we're human. Uh, but there are things. I think where I drifted uh, was into uh, I did two stints in child abuse. Um, and so that was a way for me, I think, to not only do something other than general patrol work, which I think is the core and what we do, and it's a very proud and it's a very noble profession part of what, what we do. But it allowed me to, um, uh, I think, f- fulfill that need that I had to serve or to protect uh, those that are less fortunate or perhaps vulnerable. Um, the interesting thing with uh, child abuse is that my first stint uh, was before uh, my wife and I had our first child. Uh, I went back. I was a polygraph examiner for a few years, and then I went back to child abuse because I enjoyed it so much. Um, and then it, it was different. And I and I, I not that I didn't like my partner, the people that I work with, but uh, I knew I needed to get out because having a child now put that in a whole different perspective for me. Dave Thorne, Deputy Winnipeg Police Chief, announcing his retirement after 35 years with the service. Uh, The three things that uh, stick in your memory banks over your career. Well, if if we're, I mean, if we're talking about the good and the bad, uh, you know, it's, I think the most recent good uh, thing that stand out is, I would have to acknowledge retired Chief uh, uh, Keith McCaskill for putting me into the superintendent's seat of operations. 
But uh, and of course, my old uh, friend and, and mentor, Art Stannard, who is a special guy, and he's he's been a special guy to so many people. But I think the opportunity to work with uh, with with Chief Clunas, uh, we we have a very unique relationship. We we were the two finalists in the when when Devon got the job, and uh, that creates a special dynamic in a relationship when you're competing against one another. And, and he all reached of a sudden, out. You he both, did. He yeah. absolutely reached out, and that. I tell this story whenever I can because I think it speaks to – I don't think the city – well, I hope the city realizes what they have in Devon as a chief of police but only as a human being. He's, he's a pretty special guy and normally somebody that would uh, that was successful would, would get rid of the competition uh, because they would always be viewed as the competition. He didn't do that. He had an open mind. He, we talked, <laughs> which doesn't happen sometimes at the top. And uh, he invited me in and I've, uh, I've been very fortunate to be able to help him as we've moved this. But so that's the good, the bad. I can, I can think of, uh, three quick things. There was a, uh, a homicide, um, uh, young Glenn Vargas, uh, speaking with the parents. That was a tragic thing. Young couple, boyfriend, girlfriend gunned down needlessly in the parking lot of Chalmers community club. I still, uh, I still think of them. Um, there was one time, this is, this is uh, different that, I was working in crime division in the PSB and down at Pritchard Docks, there was a tragic, tragic event where two little kids were in a car that rolled into the river and and we all sat, people on the shore sat by, I think someone did swim out to try to save them, but I remember this room of old, hardened, tough cops just listening to this and there was nothing we could do and that stuck with me. Uh, I I don't know why I wasn't there, but it stuck with me. Uh, and then I think in child abuse, uh, my wife and I, we suffered a loss. And then there was a time where uh, part of in child abuse, I had, uh, I had two uh, postmortems, two autopsies in one day for children. And I, I think that was when, that was the day I, I think I realized uh, I needed to get out of that. And uh, luckily I, I was, uh, I think I had the self-awareness and I had bosses that supported me that, and I went on to do other great things in the, in the or great jobs in the service. There was a generation and there still are that, cope through um, alcohol, that cope through other ways. Um, some have, you know, good coping mechanisms that they, they get out and run and, and do all sorts of other things and, and work out. Others, not so much. And I will publicly give you credit as one of the leaders when it comes to taking care of other police officers, because I think you realize the impact of post-traumatic stress disorder and just the toll that the job can take. On somebody, and uh, that's huge to be able to recognize that in colleagues, to know about it yourself, and to as a leader within the organization. And it's still a challenge in any organization, especially the police service, to be able to say, you know what, it's it's okay to feel that way, yeah. because it's still it, it's it, you still are pigeonholed at times for having feelings. Well, and, you know, I, and I think that's where leaders, when we take a look, and it's, it'll be interesting because, as you know, uh, we're going to be, we're going to, the, uh, the Winnipeg Police Board is going to be looking for, for uh, the next chief to replace uh, Chief Clunas. You know, you, you talk about IQ and, and, and EQ and, uh, you know, having, having prepared and applied and, and going through all the interviews for that job and, Having been in the executive for um, I don't know, seven, eight years now and been a deputy for two and a half, I, I know I have a very good idea of what that job entails. 
and it's it's important it's important to have the 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 uh, savvy the business acumen and being able to navigate these turbulent and unknown waters the the you know the political and all that but in in a leader of a large organization like the police we have some just awesome people wonderful people doing wonderful work day in and day out if a if a police chief or the leader of an organization like that doesn't get the part about supporting your people um and that they, you know, you're only as good as, as the people that are, <laughs> you can provide the direction, but if they're not willing to follow you, but more importantly, if they're not well, if they're not whole in order to do the duties that you're asking them to do, then everyone fails. And that's, that's going to be the important part. It needs to be a balance. It's not one or the other. It has to be a combination of. You're going to be on the job for a little while longer? Uh, I, my last day is uh, in the office is June 24th. I'm taking a month off, and then uh, on July 25th, I start my second career. I'm kind of reinventing myself. I'm going to uh, work with uh, the firm uh, MNP, where I'm, I'm going to be a senior manager, helping them. They're experts in that company with their uh, public safety practice. Uh, it'll be a national program where we work with police, justice, and emergency service providers to come up with uh, effective and efficient ways to deal with some of the fiscal challenges and the operational challenges that we're all facing. Dave Thorne, job well done. Thank, Thank you for you. your service. Thank you, Richard, for this opportunity very much. Thank D you. Dave Thorne, Deputy Winnipeg Police Chief. Richard Cloutier reports on 680 CJOB.